Dear listeners, welcome to Medicine Today on Digital Health. This podcast aims at broadening the understanding of digitization in medicine, the dangers, the problems, the benefits, and the reasons behind success or failure of adoption of different digital solutions. I am your host, Tiasha Zaitz, a medicine and healthcare journalist working for a Slovenian monthly journal for doctors and pharmacists, Medicine Today. Our today's topic is the secret knowledge about patients hidden on the internet, made beyond forums, search queries and social media. Internet forums have been here before smartphones and somehow, despite all the apps, they are still very much alive. They give users information, support, psychological empowerment and self-confidence. One big advantage of online forums is that users there are anonymous, which gives them a certain level of confidence about the safety of their shared information. The perception differs from apps and other digital health solutions. And a recent study from Blackbook showed that 57% of patients are skeptical of digital health, mostly due to health data privacy concerns. Another challenge in the usage of digital and mobile solutions is digital literacy. If you are a developer, do you know how many users are not using your solution properly? Maybe because they don't know how to, or because the user experience is badly designed. On the internet, the problem when it comes to trying to decode patients, their thoughts and ways of thinking is illiteracy. Sometimes users get a false sense of empowerment. They browse information on the internet but don't check sources. About 6 million people search for health information on the internet each day in the United States. The internet is a prevalent source of health information for people. You will hear more about all this in a discussion with today's guest, Gregor Petric, Chair of Social Informatics and Methodology at the Faculty of Social Sciences in Ljubljana. Before we start, let me just invite you to subscribe to the podcast. That way, each new episode will be automatically available to you. You can subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes, where you can find the podcast under Medicine Today on Digital Health. I will be very grateful if you also take time to rate it or write a review of the podcast, because that's how it will be easier for more listeners to find it. You can also send me suggestions on Twitter, where you can find me under at Z-A-J-C-T-J-A-S-A, or write me an email. My address is in the show notes. Stay tuned, listen, and get plenty useful lessons out of this episode. Good, okay. Gregor, hello. Hi. Welcome to our podcast. Let me start with a very simple question. Simply saying social informatics makes me want to go to sleep and this is something you're dealing with every day. What's interesting about it? The point of social informatics is uh, that every kind of technology uh, has affordances and and the same technology can have many negative and many positive effects cannot never determine the you know the nature of technology and basically that's the main idea of social informatics we can set up a forum right now in half an hour we can make a online forum for uh, 
I don't know, people with uh, gray hair and uh, okay, we have a forum. But uh, will this forum evolve in an online health community? This is a, a different question. What are the contexts, the drivers, the, the reasons that uh, simply one platform becomes an online health community? This is basically the question that social informatics deal with. So if we try to somehow uh, put forums in the context of health information on the internet, when you search for health information, you would go uh, online or maybe you would even use some service that connects you to a real doctor or we already have some apps available that use artificial intelligence for symptom checking, etc. So you don't really think about forums today how alive are they? Can you say how many health forums are still out there and why are they still alive? They are uh, very alive, actually. They Can are... you mention a few of the biggest ones, famous ones worldwide? I don't have exact statistics and it's also quite uh, nationally specific. In what sense? Let's say in, in UK, there are a lot of online health communities, but they are partitioned to specific conditions so you have online health community for some sort of cancer not a lot of users because there are not lots of people with that sort of cancer but for those people it's a really important part of their life because uh, it's not only uh, getting uh, advice in crisis moment but it's also getting support maybe a little bit of social identification moment this is something which uh, keeps them uh, different from apps, you know, because apps are very, I would say, targeted, you know. Some apps, I think, are trying to implement some interactional moments, but it's more, I would say, natural within some, let's say, yeah, forum type of direction where, uh, okay, people, they have this need to get some advice, but somehow unintentionally they become attached maybe to this group, to these people, you know, and even when they solve some health issue they come back you know for mm -hmm. for let's say uh, the, the difference with some health app you you know basically you use it because you have some need but when you when your condition improves you don't want to have that app you know health is something which you really don't want to talk about unless you are without it but it's not really a topic uh, except when you're 70 plus you know for this everyday chit chat uh, since Facebook was uh, established, um, a lot of groups were created on Facebook because that's where people spend the majority of their time. So why use an internet forum instead of social media platforms? Look, the first tool to be used by people when looking for health, health information is still Google. Mm -hmm. It's the simplest way. 80% uh, of Google users are using it for uh, health information. So it's really prime uh, gate, gateway. Uh, among the, let's say, first five hits, it's very likely that you will uh, be pointed to some discussion in some online health community. Mm. Uh, Facebook at one moment was really interested in this uh, developing groups for health and supporting them, but health is a sensitive issue, you know. And on the, on Facebook, we are all, or majority of users have uh, their uh, social circles uh, in their uh, networks, which means that they are not anonymous; they are anti-anonymous. They everybody knows them with really 
smart uh, privacy management, you can somehow separate uh, activities in one group from your uh, your profile. But this really takes a lot of time, you know, and a lot of management, and it's easier than to go to some uh, online health community. Even if you're anonymous on forums, what data and what information can developers extract from analysis of those forums? How useful are the information there? What kind of research did you do? The main uses of online health communities are, okay, the primary motive is getting information. Uh, second one is uh, getting social support, uh, advice, um, you know, words of condolences and so on. Uh, the third one was uh, finding meaning. So that, you know, you, especially if you have some chronic disease, people uh, need somebody to, to see that, okay, there is still meaning in my life. One important usage was also self-expression, you know, uh, so that people uh, are able to yeah, express what's on their mind and what's bothering them and, you know, and not be judged about it. I know that in one research they discovered that patients were u- using some uh, pills which were forbidden to be prescribed for years, you know, and which is sort of alarming, well, it's an alarming issue. And on the forum, they were saying that they are using those pills. Yes, they were. They were just mentioning in their discussions. You know, one guy was giving advice to uh, another. Hey, try those pills. You know, and uh, you can see some problematic practices which uh, can be uh, then uh, addressed. Uh, and you can also see how people are talking about physicians. You know, what issues they they are facing. You can detect uh, if they want to participate in decision making, whether they need support from. Physician, what is the problem with physicians? So, if I'm a developer and if I want to uh, design a solution for, let's say, uh, arthritis, is the chance that I will get useful information on the forum bigger than for another condition? So, are there differences between conditions and the activity of patients on these online communities? In UK, you have uh, the the very pro- very profiled. Uh, online health communities uh, for specific conditions and uh, the size basically depends on the size of people who uh, have this condition and also on the let's say complexity of the condition i think that the more uh, complex the condition is uh, and the symptoms and the let's say different even conflicting uh, treatments the richer information you will you will have there because uh, pe- people with same condition might go through very different treatments and you have in some online health communities already developed let's say sort of artificial intelligence uh, modules which match people uh, by the equivalence of their uh, conditions or symptoms so that somebody who uh, is facing some condition for the first time will be connected with a group of people who have already gone through this treatment. Before we go too far, can you explain a bit what is uh, e-health literacy? So Uh, people think they know more than they do. Uh, Yes, also this is uh, so-called bad literacy. When when people rely usually on on, uh, one uh, pool of uh, sources, which might be ideologically biased they think that they have object information but they are somehow trapped in a bubble on on internet 
they don't check uh, the source, they don't uh, cross-validate some information, uh, and they become very confident in yeah believing. So what in, you're saying is that a lot of patients only think they are empowered when in reality they're not. In our studies, we discovered approximately quarter of users were of uh, this type uh, and uh, they were at the same time quite loud on the this online health community which means they they have impact on other users and this can be uh, dangerous of course uh, there is this example of um, forum for uh, anorexic people where somehow this dynamic went really astray in the sense that it became a pro-anorexia forum. So mm-hmm. the majority of users were supporting each other in uh, unhealthy practices. And so, there was no intervention? I'm not, I don't know what exactly happened to that forum, but I'm pretty certain that uh, there was no intervention because, uh, uh, you know, it's difficult to regulate. This is a very interesting topic for today when we are dealing with the issue of uh, false news. And when I think of about all that you've said, it seems like healthcare has been for a long time in the world of false information. And well, it's uh, difficult to generalize here, you know. Uh, it would be uh, not fair um, to some online health communities because they are really working on, let's say, integrating health professionals into their spaces. And they are really important because they take care or they filter out false information. They are sort of gatekeepers of wrong information. Okay, But how be... many doctors are actually present on these forums? Why would doctors even take part in being a moderator? What's in it for them? We were fascinated that how much they take out of this forum. They get a lot of, let's say, benefits in terms of, on professional level, let's say they, they understand their participation in online health community as, you know, getting some additional education, uh, as a possibility to get acquainted with uh, potential patients and uh, maybe new symptoms or even new diseases. On personal level, they reported, you know, sort of a sense of community, self-fulfillment, self-worth, professional level also gaining recognition and respect among their peers so it's a sort of a promotion also for them so it's quite a multi-dimensional aspect of their participation which might be a nice case also for online health communities and abroad because i think that some sort of mechanism some sort of expertise these places need if you don't have them then bad things can happen social forums can also bring us interesting information about the patients that doctors can get uh, in their uh, offices because when you come to visit your GP or a specialist, they have a very limited time for you, so you might not want to bother the doctor too much, but in the online community, you may be more open to asking the questions you were too afraid to ask in real life. Yeah, true. And you have to ask these questions to online health professional better than to other users or to both, basically. But if they don't get involved into discussions with health professionals, but only with other users, 
they somehow start to reinforce their uh, negative attitudes toward the, their physician. It was interesting to me when you mentioned that patients, even when they resolve their health issue, still come back on the forums. The retention rates are high here, which is very interesting for developers of apps because research shows that a certain app might be used by a patient for, let's say, half a year. Even with chronic diseases, after half a year, at the beginning of uh, your diagnosis, you learn how to manage your disease. And after half a year, you don't really feel like you need to use that app anymore. So you stop. But here you say that people still kind of come back because of this group dynamic. Mm. You know, online web forums, they developed in a specific culture. It was in, they, they emerged basically from so-called communitarian culture of Internet, which was developed in the 70s of previous centuries. All these platforms were uh, built on this, uh, let's say, idealistic idea of uh, human society as a... Uh, a community of, let's say, aut- autonomous people, you know, a community of people who are freely engaged into communication, interaction. And that, that's why Internet was also very successful. Its primary intention was uh, exchanging information. Quite quickly, this uh, platform, which was developed also by hippies, you know, these geeks had specific uh, set of values and they wanted to develop uh, technologies for some free communication. And this interactional moment, the sociability element of internet is really important. It was always important. That's why also Facebook succeeded. Even if you look at uh, communication today and where we put the majority of our attention, you can see that on the phone it's Social media and messaging apps, humans are dependent on this connection with others. Yeah, communication is basically one of the essential components of human society, of being together. That's why online health communities are successful because they somehow engage this part in human beings. So people started to discuss about some health problem on, 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 on this forum, but during doing that, they also developed friendship. You know, they, so they started to satisfy also other needs, like need for socializing, need for belongingness. This sense of belonging is also important. So once you get users developed high sense of community or a sense of belonging, then you know that you are succeeded with your uh, app or uh, forum or whatever you know but these users will come back to you because it uh, means something to them in their everyday life all the mobile apps as i said are i think more targeted more unidimensional on specific needs of uh, of users and when that need is satisfied user doesn't have some urge to to go back there. How much information can developers or researchers automatically get from online forums? Data protection and privacy are crucial when it comes to health. How protected are the users? All these forums are basically publicly open. So, uh, Do you uh, know of use cases of the industry taking advantage of this kind of data? In some cases, in some online health communities, uh, users, when they register, they also uh, give approval that their data will be used for 
research practices and uh, yes for example of uh, patients like me there is a research team which is doing uh, a lot of stuff on these users but mobile phone is something very intimate you know it, mobile phone is something which you carry on all the time with you it goes to bed with you it has uh, become a part of uh, your body uh, and at the same time you know that uh, every time that you install some app even if it's uh, maybe just a, a Tetris game, the app wants to have from you access to all sorts of your data. Are we careful enough when it comes to protecting our health data? Should we be more careful? It's hard to be sure your information is safe when we have challenges such as hacking such as you know Snowden revelations and knowing how much are we losing the surveillance and power over the information about ourselves you know people who have trust in government and you know they, they believe that we somehow uh, already went over the biggest failures and catastrophes in uh, human societies and political systems you know they might not have issues with uh, sharing uh, personal data and don't bother about it you know but in your view like what's the scariest scenario based on the knowledge you have on social informatics what can be done with the data we put out there in terms of our health i'm basically optimistic but when it becomes institutionalized that parts of our life are uh, being monitored it can be used for uh, tailoring, personalizing our uh, insurance policies, which is not necessarily bad. It's a topic to discuss, but it can be abused by some uh, mad politicians. You know, it, it, you, you never know who who gets on power position and when the, the, the state has insight into how probably... You will develop some health issues, you know, that you're disposable, that you're not really worth investing in. Maybe, I don't know, you, you don't deserve public schooling because you will probably get cancer in the next three years. That's exactly why um, health policy is changing so slowly in terms of adoption of technology because you have to put in place so much of the legislation mm. before you can include something in the system. So I guess, in that terms, that's a good thing. Well, uh, yes, I, I mean, we, sh we should not uh, be too fast with uh, implementing all the novelties. Now we are, yes, in this era of hype over uh, health apps, because also it's, uh, it's a nice business model. We have to be aware of that. It's a complex system, and I think health app developers have to be aware of this, of all potential actors that come into play and also about the so-called latent consequences because developers usually only think about manifest consequences but always with any kind of development come latent consequences and these are usually negative not necessarily but it is something which you did not expect and if you go too quick uh, with some solution on the market and you don't, uh, you don't anticipate these uh, latent consequences, it's probably that you will fail. Uh, while on the other hand, if you go slowly, you know, like this sort of participatory design that is known from a Scan Scandinavian school, let's say, you know, Nokia uh, was known for this, lots of 
pre-testing, giving a device to uh, potential end users and after a couple of iterations they arrived to a product which was safe to go out, uh, outside and it was really successful. Um, yeah, the key issue today is that the competition is so high on the market that sometimes it seems that you as a startup can't really afford to spend too much time on testing. Yes, yeah, you think that uh, that people will be quicker than you, that somebody will uh, steal your idea. It's a cruel market, basically. Yeah. But this typical power law distribution, which is everywhere on the web, if you look at the views of YouTube videos, you have a couple of them with uh, billions of views. You know, it's that 95-5% uh, law, you know, so the majority have just a couple of views on YouTube. They are nothing, you know, they maybe they invested two years in one video, but it will be seen by 100 people. Forums have been around since the beginning of internet. We're talking decades here, whereas apps are only on the market for less than a decade. Is there a decline in the use of forums detected? The future is in uh, convergence, you know, uh, it's not so much the competition between these uh, different platforms. What do you think can be the influence of forums on patient engagement? Well, in our studies, we uh, discovered that uh, it's quite an important impact. People develop sort of uh, feelings of control over their disease of uh, self-efficacy uh, so that uh, they also develop uh, competences so they become a bit autonomous and self-managing patients. Is it possible to talk about a global effect of forums on the population health? What inventors are trying to achieve is to solve a certain problem for people all over the world. When it comes to forums, how much do people from different countries participate on forums from other countries? The global impact can never be uh, scientifically validated. It's impossible. <laughs> Simply, the, the reality is too complex. It would be really interesting to, to discover, know what, you know, also in yeah, non-English non speaking areas I think that it's even greater potential there you know where let's say that physicians and doctors might not be so easily available as they are for us since internet is becoming really ubiquitous uh, I think there is potential there also nice research idea <laughs> online forums have survived for a very long time what do you think is awaiting for them in the future are they ever going to die or maybe just transform? Group interactional spaces for patients to, to share experiences, advices. I think this will not die because it's uh, here the internet is not supplementing something which was and died. To find a person with a similar uh, symptom and I'm not talking about flu, I'm talking about some a strange particular disease. It's impossible that you can find the, the, such a person physically. You know, it would take years. You can travel around Slovenia, Europe, and maybe you know uh, get. Uh, but that's all. You know, while on on internet, you can immediately, or in online forum or wherever, you can find a group of people who share the same issue with you. And I think um, this is something we will need. 
Yes, I think this sort of sharing and with uh, increase of uh, strange diseases, this will remain. But I don't know, maybe in combination with uh, VR might be interesting because uh, it will again be sort of a anonymous space, maybe. Uh, I think exciting times are ahead of us with virtual reality, artificial intelligence and everything else that is going to come out of the technology ideas and a lot of innovation is created based on needs that we didn't even know we had so um, Gregor thank you very much for coming here uh, thanks thanks for inviting me <laughs> this was the fifth episode of medicine today on digital health in the previous episodes we talked about what it takes to make it as a startup in the US why IT adoption is so challenging in healthcare how far artificial intelligence is in digital health solutions. And coming up next are topics and speakers from Finland, Sweden and other countries to give you as broad as possible view on the digital health ecosystem. A new episode is published every two weeks and in order to get the next one automatically, do subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, SoundCloud or Google Play. Your thoughts and suggestions are very welcome, so don't hesitate to contact me on Twitter under at ZAJCTJASA or write me an email on tjasa.zajc at finance.si.